You do. That was my next question: is Is it on a streaming service, or do we have to rent it? So I might just steal your login if I can. Ooh, theft! Nice. Ooh. Okay, Amazon. Did you hear that? <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan, and I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film, and now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. So I watched like a terrible movie today. Did you? It was that movie that's called Spiral that's on Shudder. And it's got Jeffrey Boyer Chapman in it. Oh, yeah. About the gay couple. Yeah. And so, yeah, sure. Like, it's, I guess, a step forward for gays in in <laughs> horror. But, like, we can do so much better. This movie was so bland and so dumb and so, like, recycled. And by the end of it, I feel like they just, like, turned up the, the crazy just to turn it up. It was like, well, this is not earned or necessary at all. I would not recommend it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> was literally thinking about turning it off, and then I was like, oh, well, if I watch the whole thing, maybe I can tell everybody on the podcast that it's not good. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm sorry you wasted two hours of your time. Shudder seems to be very hit or miss. I, I feel like I've been very lucky with the Shudder movies that I've been watching, but it's certainly not all of them are, are gems, <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah, so. to me it's just miss, mostly. There's maybe, <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess sometimes like hit, miss, 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 hit. <laughs> what I'm really into right now, though, and like what I'm really ex- excited about is watching more Misfits. It is a really funny show, and you really fall in love with the characters. And the first time that I showed it to you, the first episode, we were, we got like halfway through, and you're like, I'm not sure. I'm in the mood for this. And I was like, oh, I was devastated. I, I was cannot like, I love this believe show. I didn't just go a little bit further. Like mm. once mm. they start, I don't even, I, maybe I can explain it to you guys without really spoiling anything. It's these five. And I guess this is a, like a, a British program, but it's these yeah, five yeah. people that are from Europe. Clearly um, they have varying degrees of accents that I can and can't understand. <laughs> and, uh, they're, in their 20s or something, and they're all um, in doing community service. Mm-hmm. And they have a probation worker. <laughs> <laughs> and something happens. There's a storm. And for some reason, each of them get a gift. Well, some of them at least. Yes. And um, I don't exactly want to explain any more than that. You guys should just <laughs> watch it. But it's really fucking cool. And it's, it's totally cool. up my alley. So Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, devastated that first time that I tried to show it to you, but then we tried it again and you couldn't stop watching it. So that's good. It's a good show. It's on Hulu. Uh, Watch it with subtitles because that's the only way that you're going to be able to understand some of the characters, some of the best characters. There is one character that might as well be speaking Mandarin Chinese. Like... (laughs) That is how far away from English she sounds. But like it's it's not even like it's accepted in the show. They even bring it up in the show. They're like, whoa, well, like, what are you saying? Yeah. It's so heavy. And I even learned, this is so off topic, but I even learned outside of the show, that's her real accent. I think she went on a talk <laughs> show 
And uh, she started talking and the host was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's your real voice? Like you actually talk like that? And she's fabulous. She's she's my favorite yeah, one on she that is, show. She's she amazing. Awesome. Um, but yeah, watch it with subtitles. Misfits, great show. This movie though that we're about to talk about, <laughs> I absolutely adore. I absolutely adore. <laughs> it's fantastic. And so it's basically – it's the Invisible Man. Is it called the Invisible Man? I, I'll find out by the time we we post this. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's great, and it's very, very loosely based on uh, the H.G. Wells novel of the same name and <laughs> all of the adaptations of it. But it's really a, a different story. <laughs> I know very little about this. I don't think I've seen any adaptations of it. The only thing I know about this is Elizabeth Moss is in it. Um, so, okay. So, yeah, you've not seen it, and I've seen it like – it only came out this year. It was actually my last movie before quarantine. I'll tell you that story in a minute, and you haven't seen it. Correct. So that's another one of those you going in fresh, which is good. I know you like that, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll tell you about what happened. So Stacy and I went to go see a movie. We went and saw it in one of those theaters that you can recline in the seats really good and they bring you food and it was like a whole night plan. Stacy is not my girlfriend, but we were on a date night. <laughs> Stacy would want me to make that clear. <laughs> but uh, so we were sitting there and I like was enamored. I mean, it was so, so, so amazing. There were a couple of times when the people were walking by like, do you need anything? And I'm like, no, go away. I didn't say that, but I'm like thinking that. That's, there is a very specific type of movie that I can go see in those types of movie theaters. And the Invisible Man is not one of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why like, I think that they one time invited me to go see the new Halloween in it. And I was like, I can't nope. I have to go nope. in an empty theater. <laughs> so by the end of this thing, having both loved it, I get up and I like essentially collapse because I've been able to be comfortable in the chair because um, I could like fully recline. And for those of you guys who don't know, uh, spine injury and I can't really sit or stand for a long time. So laying down was like ideal, right? And as I'm like like crawling out of the theater, not really, but like as I'm like like dragging myself, like egoring myself out of the theater, it's getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And I finally find this like bench to collapse on in the hallway. And Stacy's like, I'll go get the car, you know, and runs and go gets it. And I like <laughs> and people are like asking me if I'm okay. And I'm like holding on to the wall to pull myself out. I don't know what the hell happened. And uh, she was going to ditch your ass, wasn't she? She left you. (laughs) No, I was thinking (laughs) that would have been like such revenge for all of the hell (laughs) that we used to put her through in high school. Um, But no, she she actually wound up taking me home. I had driven to her house. She had driven me to the theater, but she actually just took me home and I left my car at her house. Uh, It was it was very it was still a very nice night. But like I was. (laughs) Basically, my last theater experience was not the best one. And I'm, it's funny that by the time I actually will go back to a theater, I probably will be well again. So that's good. Yeah. No, it is. It's funny. It's, yeah, something to look forward to. That's great. 
No, which, it breaks my heart. And I'll also be like 35 probably by the time we're able to go back to the movie theater. <laughs> no, don't say that. I'm like every day I fear, like anytime I hear anything about the movie industry or the theater industry, I always get like so nervous and anxious because I really, really don't want this industry to die. There is something so amazing about like going into a theater and having it surround you and just like immersing yourself into a movie and movie theaters as a whole aren't going to die. People will want to go see movies good and there'll be a market for it because people will, will provide it. However, it might be owned by different people and some of the smaller ones that um, are like mom and pop, that's where they might, you know, take the hit. Even though AMC and Regal and all these people are, are struggling right now, once movies come back, there'll be places to show them. It might be staffed differently, and it, I mean, it certainly sucks, but I don't think movie theaters are just going to go away. That makes me feel better. It doesn't like logically make sense to me that they would. You know what I I'm mean? A, I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm you can. My, my faith is in you now, so. <laughs> <laughs> you can for sure. So like you don't know anything about this movie other than Elizabeth Moss is in it. So I feel like I've definitely seen trailers, but it's been so long. Um, I can imagine that it's going to be sort of like she's trying to convince people that he is still harassing her, but they just don't believe her. I think there will be an element of her sort of descent into madness. And it's like, is it really real? Is it actually happening to her? Maybe the audience will have this sort of questions in the back of their heads where it's like you know can we even trust her uh or at least i hope so um well now that you've said that i want i definitely think that it is it's funny and i noticed this when we were actually kind of scheduling this that we did Candyman and invisible man back to back because there are definite similarities between these two movies that's all i'm gonna say yeah there are definite similarities are there Um, bees (laughs) no (laughs) No, or at least I don't think so. If you see a bee, I'm sorry. Um, if there's no bees, then it's a pass for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what I love most about this movie, I mean, aside from the fact that it's just a really damn good movie, um, is that Lee Wanell, who wrote Saw, who is plays the character of Adam in Saw, who wrote Insidious. I would hope you guys know, or at least could Google who Lee Wan L is. He's he's the the second guy on the floor that's not the doctor in the first movie. Yes. Exactly. <gasps> he exactly he directed this. Oh my goodness, I did not know that. Yeah, that makes me excited. And it's really fucking good. <laughs> I have I will say I've not heard any negative things about this movie. I think anyone that I've talked about this movie to has thought good things about it. So one last thing that I want to say about this movie is that I just love how like big it feels, even though. A lot of the times we're really only dealing with just a couple of characters. Mm-hmm. It still feels kind of like this pretty epic story. I don't know. Maybe you'll feel differently. But <laughs> you know what's probably like my favorite movie of the year? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really have a lot of competition. But uh, but still, good, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is. I've watched it several times. How many times would you say if you could if you could give an estimate? Probably like four or five, just because I've shown it to a bunch of people, I and mean, I actually own it. So you do. I, that was my next question: is Is it on a streaming service, or do we have to rent it? So I might just steal your login if I can. Ooh, theft! Nice. Ooh. Okay, Amazon. Did you hear that? <laughs> Take two. That was so good. Oh my gosh, guys, this movie is so freaking good. 
I really hope that you have watched it by now because this is like spoilers. Yeah, I gotta I gotta talk about some things because I I think I need to watch it again because I was a little bit distracted because I think the whole time I was expecting it to be the brother. Yeah. The whole time. It was almost a distraction. Like I need I need to watch it again knowing the truth, I guess. That was a wild ride. That was really, really cool. I love that this movie started off like it hit the ground running. It wasn't like we didn't need to see him treat her bad. Right. We didn't we didn't need to see that. It was all super, super clear with, you know, her acting and I think she did a really amazing job. I think I also went into this expecting it to be her how do I put this? With the possibility that she could actually be crazy, I wasn't expecting to get such literal signs like the knife clearly being grabbed off of the counter. Um Yeah. And I appreciate that. Can I say something that might be like kind of I don't know if it's mean or not, but okay, I'm just gonna say it anyway. Is that okay? Like you Is give it me about permission me? To, no, 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 no. Just give me permission to be like mean for just a second. Okay. okay. It's not I don't mean it to be mean, but I think some people might take it as me. I think Elizabeth Moss was like the perfect person for this because not only does she look like she's been through some stuff. <laughs> I think she's beautiful, but she does look she has a face like like she's seen some stuff. You know what I mean? I was that was another thing I was gonna bring up is they did well, A, they did really well with her makeup, but B from people who didn't know the behind the scenes, like, but didn't know what was actually happening to her, the way that she reacted to things, like, I have something, but I can't tell you what it is right now, because he's here, like, they made her seem insane, they made her seem out of her mind, and I think they did such a good job with that. Yeah, I'm not 100% done with my being mean part, okay. Sorry, I'm excited about this movie, it's really good. <laughs> no, 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 I just, I think it's interesting that they would choose someone that I think a lot of society might actually think maybe a little loopy in real life. <gasps> I don't know. It just kind of played into that too. Like, oh, you know what? I actually kind of think Elizabeth Moss is a little, <laughs> I a little suspect. So. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. She's so good you forget she's in a cult. In my opinion, I mean, she's incredible, but in my, like, in, in my opinion, the star of this movie was the directing. I think mm-hmm. this movie is unbelievably directed. Like, the shot composition is fantastic. Any mm-hmm. sort of, like, special effect, aside from just very few, so many of these things are practical. Um, yeah. And, and just, okay, like, let's, uh, let me s- step back from the actual, like, effects of him rolling around with her and throwing her up against the wall and stuff like that. How about just the shots that are, like, that are painting over and there's nothing there? Yeah. Or they're all in the living room and then it shoots it from another room looking down the hallway at them. That is crazy to me. The way that he shot this film, the way that Lee Wanell shot this film blew me away. I... <laughs> This man, I remember the first thing I ever, I think it's the first thing he ever directed. Might might not be, but um, first like major thing at least was Insidious Chapter 3. And that movie sucked. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I, wh- why are you trying to direct? This is not for you. <laughs> and then he did Upgrade, which is amazing. And it's not for you, though. You wouldn't like Upgrade. And Since I've never even heard of it. 
it's like an action. It's 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 like people compare it to Venom. I think it's way better than Venom. But like he does action scenes very well, and that movie has a good amount of them. But this movie, the scene in the like hospital or the psychiatric place or whatever, when they're going down the hallway, mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, I mean. Just all those cops, like, because you just watch all the cops and they're like, what the fuck do I do? There's nothing there. You know, I think at first I was like, why are they just standing there? And then it's like, well, there's nothing coming at them. They don't see anything. They see everybody on the ground. So it's like, what do I do? I am a little bit confused about how this fits in with the monster universe. So the Dark Universe's original plan was they were going to have the mummy, which Tom Cruise is in it, and mm-hmm. um, Sofia Batella is is the mummy in that film, and he's sort of like the protagonist. Russell Crowe was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Javier Bardem was going to be the Wolfman. Johnny Depp was going to be the Invisible Man. And so it was, you know, a pretty stacked setup, right? Mm-hmm. Then you you watched it with me. The mummy sucked ass. The mummy, it was bad. Yes, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So uh, those plans got scrapped, and now they're just doing one-offs. Okay, it seems at least. I Honestly, know that somewhere down the line, somebody's going to want to tie something together. But for right now. This movie is a one-off. There is supposedly an invisible woman uh, in the works, but that actually has Elizabeth Banks attached to it. And I don't believe it's any sort of continuation of this particular story. Is it a universal property? Yeah, these are all the universal movie monsters. So they're all going to be through Universal. Ah, a lot of things surprised me. <laughs> I think you're just like still reeling from it, right? A little uh, bit. In response to the surprise comment, I was just sort of counting the the times that like, you know, uh, someone's jaw would drop, and it's a bunch. Like this movie it sort is. of hits you every scene. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh! Just anytime he made himself known, mm-hmm. it was like, holy shit! I mean, down to when he was standing on the sheet and she was pulling it, I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I would love to know if there's any behind the scenes stuff regarding the practical effects, because I would love to see how they were able to do some of the stuff that they pulled off. Me too. Yeah. I think my favorite shock moment was in the restaurant with the sister. It happened so quickly that it's like once it's over, you're like, okay, like she, she can do nothing now. She has officially lost everything. Yeah. And it's devastating, but it, it just it's came also out of like, nowhere. How the hell are we going to get out of this? You know yeah, what I mean? you exactly. You like take a step back in a movie and you're like, okay, I know this has to end. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it ends somewhat good for this person. Like how the hell are we going to get there? I think yeah. that's where I was at that point when I first saw it. I think, like I said, it it began perfectly. We really didn't need a lot of exposition. I think it was very, very clear what was happening. And I also appreciate that there was no, like, tease for a sequel. I think it ended perfectly. It was just her walking up the steps, having finished what she needed to do, and she can proceed with her life. There was no, like, oh, five years later, she has the kid, and he's showing signs of, like, aggression and stuff. And that that I did not want to see. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. 
Yeah, me too. I definitely. I like applaud Lee Wanell for coming up with this this really inventive story too. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. What I also want to do is watch this again to try and see background stuff. I'm sure they hid a million things in the background to show us that he was really there. I'm not sure that I caught all of them. Um, that'll be something really fun to do or to discuss, I guess, in take three. Yeah, you're in that mode because of Bly Manor. Yeah, oh my god. Mike Flanagan puts <laughs> puts random fucking people in the back of all of his scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching, uh, I guess it was just maybe one, I guess one or two episodes yeah. uh, with your family, and it was like, Oh, there he is. There's yeah. Yeah, there's it there. Oh, yep, there he is. And then and then like someone wouldn't catch it and we'd have to rewind it and be like, no, he's right there. He's right there. Yeah. Back to Invisible Man. Kick-ass movie. Again, definitely my favorite movie of the year. I can't see anything taking it over. I mean, like, especially because I'm probably not going to see much else in theaters. I mean, <laughs> nothing at all. So Yeah. Damn, I don't know what else to say. Let's just do some research. <laughs> Take three. So I just got done watching Saw 5 because Lee Wanell made me think of Saw 1. I, I've watched Saw 1 through 5 uh, within the past like two days. Thoughts? Yeah, they were all right. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite franchises. But after I'll say four and up, I think they kind of bleed together to me. I wouldn't be able to tell you which traps come from which movie. But I think, like, I know the basic premise and traps of the first three movies, at least. I can say that confidently, I think. That makes me happy that you know that. Maybe someday I can give you a Saw quiz with your knowledge. (laughs) I think that would be fun. (laughs) Oh, man. I think you would fail it, like, really bad. I think that'd be really funny. I think you're absolutely correct. I know you're an expert on a ton of franchises, but I don't know if I were to take a quiz. I don't know what other movie. We can just do it on franchises you're terrible at. <laughs> just just watch me fail? Yeah. I'd be willing to give it a try, but you really you can't get much better than Cat in the Hat. Okay, back to Invisible Man so we don't have a 95-minute take three. <laughs> Sometimes in take three, I shift into like, okay, I'm going to have to edit this mode. And I'm like, okay, let's buckle down a little bit. (laughs) First off, you know, I always start with the money. And this one is particularly dope because it costs $7 million to make, which let that settle in a little bit. Yeah. It feels pretty big uh, to have just cost $7 million. And it made $134.7 million worldwide. Good for him. That's awesome. So, you know, I know we had discussed this movie sort of being a one-off in Take Two. Well, while there are, like, no official plans, I did read that they were open to one based on how successful the movie was. And while I wouldn't have ever thought they'd tie this into a larger universe, to be honest with you, just because just the way that this movie, it felt more like it wanted to stand on its own. Mm Mm-hmm. The Wolfman has been greenlit, and Lee Wanell is directing that too. Ooh. So, like, if they were going to tie movies together, maybe it could be those two. Like, if Lee Wanell just spearheaded the new Dark Universe after all these attempts and all these failed, miserable, terrible movies. Because, like, they tried with Dracula Untold to make this um, Dark Universe thing work. It failed. Bam. Starting over. Okay, we're going to try with Mummy. They cast all these people. 
bam, mummy fail. Okay, well now we try it again with Invisible <laughs> Man. And Invisible Man, they put a little bit less pressure on it. They didn't try to make it a giant epic movie like the other two. Right. Even though it is epic, but you know they didn't try to make it a blockbustery kind of thing. And um, it made, what, almost 20 times its budget? Yeah. I think in the research that I saw, there was a very clear understanding that this movie was successful because it was sort of like a passion project for the director. Yeah. And there was this kind of shift in this specific uh, franchise, I guess, where it's like, oh, this this way kind of works. Maybe we should kind of go in this direction instead. Imagine that. Yeah. And I think I appreciate that because I – I really I don't want another Marvel universe. I don't need all of these characters to be in every single one of the other movies. I, I kind of don't want that. I looked more into the Elizabeth Banks movie, and I'm kind of like, I really, if it is a sequel, I don't want Elizabeth Moss in it because this story tied up so cleanly, so perfectly that I, I really, I don't want to see her anymore. I don't, I don't want to jeopardize or risk that at all. I will help you with that. Okay. Uh, this is actually coming up in a few seconds, but I will let you know that there is a precedent set for the invisible woman to sort of be its own thing. Good. Okay, good. There was a movie out in 1940 called the invisible woman and it was a comedy. So, <laughs> okay. If they want to just be their own thing, cool. Mm-hmm. I like how DC's doing it right now. I think everybody is slowly realizing that they can't be Marvel. Marvel's been doing Marvel for a very long time now, and they just, you cannot compete. Cameos can be fun. It is kind of fun to explore like references and other movies and Easter eggs and stuff like that, but it does, it really doesn't have to be so heavily saturated like it is in Marvel. And yeah. it's been clear with, you know, a lot of these DC movies and a lot of these failed attempts to create this monster universe that it's just it doesn't always work and that's okay and it leaves room for these more creative more story driven more personal movies and i really like that and i like that this movie took a risk and i love that it was successful and i cannot wait to see what else they make um i know i don't know if this is stepping on your toes but i did find a few other intros to other movies or announcements to other movies in the monster universe that you might be interested in. Let me brace myself. Okay. <laughs> so this was just in one very short video that I saw on YouTube and I'll link it in the description as always. But I heard that Paul Feig is making a dark army movie. Dexter Fletcher is making a movie about Dracula's henchmen. James Wan is doing a Frankenstein movie, apparently. I have never heard this stuff. That's cool. Yeah, and then the last one that it showed was uh, Sam Raimi and John Krasinski were approached for a Bride of Frankenstein movie. And then, of course, the, you know, Elizabeth Banks movie that is is on its way. I'm sure some will work and some won't. And then what we will get, I hope, is more stuff like this. Mm Mm-hmm. I have my hesitations about this Elizabeth Banks movie. Again, I really, I really do hope that it's true that it's sort of its own thing. I really don't want to revisit this Elizabeth Moss movie, uh, but I've heard that it's sort of like a Thelma and Louise type movie mixed with American Psycho, which sounds a lot of fun. Where is the? I I have never heard any of this. I, I'm pretty sure this is all from the same movie, so this very well could be bullshit. But I will send it to you just to make sure. I have my hesitations about Elizabeth Banks directed movies. Did she make the Charlie's Angels movie? Yeah. She directed it and like wrote it and produced it? I believe so. But she also did um, Pitch Perfect 2, which I thought was fun. Oh, true. Okay. I haven't seen that one. It wasn't as good as Pitch Perfect 1. I've not seen either or any of those three movies. Wow, you suck. from From the reviews that I got and the things that I've heard, 
I know Charlie's Angels wasn't re- well received. I don't know if that's true or not. Did you see that one? I'm moving on before you trash Elizabeth Banks anymore. No, I'm not trying. No, no, I love her. He's I trashing love her. Elizabeth just, Banks, guys. I'm, I'm not trashing her. I absolutely love her. I quit. Um, <laughs> have you seen the new Charlie's Angels? Yes. Did you like it? No. Okay. But I rest my case. We can move on. <laughs> whatever, Trevor. <laughs> okay, so I just want to say specifically, if they do do a sequel to this movie, it will not be the invisible woman that movie has already been in development that's that's its own thing okay good 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 i gotta cool off from all of that okay (laughs) sorry (laughs) no you're fine i will say i will say that this put lee one l on my radar uh before saw i'd not really heard of him i didn't even know he was a director until this movie but it makes me it's sort of like that jordan peele feeling where it's like this emerging director who is like just creating this awesome stuff and now has like a huge budget to make bigger and better things. So yeah, uh, I will keep my eye out for him. I really, I really do like him. Happy for him. He seems like a really cool guy too. Yeah. I've like seen every behind the scenes saw thing that exists and <laughs> he's lovely. Okay. 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty fucking dope. And I'm going to jump to a, a large point I have okay. because of that 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. This is not the first Invisible Man movie. In fact, it's far from it. Like, I know you guys all know this. I'd like to, if I could, go back to the beginning and go through them if I could, because I think it's kind of interesting and funny. Do it. Okay. So the book comes out in 1897, and it's written by H.G. Wells, who I actually, like, cannot believe I totally forgot wrote War of the Worlds. Oh, my God. Yeah. Same guy. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm disappointed in myself. That's awesome, though. I almost wrote in my notes, like, leave space for Jordan to go off on rant about <laughs> War of the Worlds. Do you want me to um, leave space for that? Um, long story short, it's a really great movie. Uh, oh, bitch. Oh, I'm going to keep that in. He gives me so much shit if my phone ever goes off and your phone be, just went off. That's got to be the second time this has happened. I hope that was your mama. Ever recorded. It was a news thing. What was you CNN anyway. No, it could have only been your mama. That's the only way I would have let it slide. War of the Worlds is a really I I at least really enjoy that movie. That's all. Good. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Way to go. He's talking about the um the Steven Spielberg movie. Yes. Okay. So good. So then in 1933 we get the Invisible Man, and that's like the Claude Rains one. Claude Rains was the Invisible Man. How did do? Shut yes. up. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. That was was that 33 you said? Yeah. Okay. That movie's also about a guy who has figured out how to make himself invisible, but he's a chemist and is driven mad by the drugs he's taken. And there's also like this weird world domination plot and I have seen it. I was looking back at it and I was like, "Oh yes, I definitely have seen this." And I know it's 87 years old, but I won't spoil the ending. Is it good? I mean, like it's yeah, it's it's a good movie. Um, it is honestly like now that I'm remembering it, I I think I saw it in college and I remember liking it. However, the ending doesn't necessarily lend itself to being a franchise that that uh contains this guy. In 1940, The Invisible Man Returns came out, starring Vincent Price, and he's accused of a crime he didn't commit, and then reaches out to the first Invisible Man's brother to get the invisibility serum. 
Ooh. Okay. I've never seen that one, but it sounds wonderful. <laughs> also in 1940, The Invisible Woman was released, which is a comedy which makes me think, again, this is in my notes before Jordan's awful tirade, which makes me think that might be what Elizabeth Banks is going for with her upcoming project. So something that would completely be separate, and I'm all for that. Then in 42... For the record, I am um, also all for that, for the record. I don't know why you hate women. I quit. I quit. I hit, Oh, my God. <laughs> Worst. Then in 42 and 44, we get Invisible Agent and The Invisible Man's Revenge, which oddly starred the same guy in two different Invisible roles. The same character or the same actor? Same actor. Playing two different characters? Yes. Well, he's invisible, so like... Okay, yeah, sure. Well, The Invisible Agent was an action spy movie, and Revenge was a horror movie. So I don't fucking know what they were thinking, honestly. <laughs> then, in 1948, Vincent Price came back to voice The Invisible Man in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Then... <laughs> In 1951, Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man, but it's a different Invisible Man. This time, it's a boxer framed for murder. Uh-huh. Okay. So, like, there's just so many invisible people in this universe. Like, because <laughs> these movies are all sort of tied together. That Like, these first couple are tied together. Each of them feature a relative of the original Invisible Man, Jack Griffin, in them. A lot of times, it's uh, the one that they go to for the serum. Griffin. Which was also in the book, and that's the last name of Adrian and was it Tom that was his brother? Mm-hmm. That's hmm, interesting uh, reference because he's also the Invisible Man. Look at yeah. you making connections. Connections. Then we have a bunch of stories that are in one way or another inspired by the original story. They were listed uh, together, but these movies seem like they sort of went off in their own direction. There's The Amazing Transparent Man in 1960, Mad Monster Party in, in 67, The Invisible Kid in 88, Memoirs of an Invisible Man in 1992, which had Chevy Chase in it. Then there's Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon in 2000, which literally made me want to blow my face off. It's I terrible. Was I was going to ask about that, which one had Kevin Bacon in it. Because yeah, I've seen that scene where he's on, like, the hospital bed and he just slowly starts to disappear. Like, organ by organ. There he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seemed really dumb. But. And finally, this amazing movie. And I checked, and this is truly, out of all of them, the best-reviewed film inspired by Wells' story since the first film. The first film got a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes, and this has a 91. You left out two, three very important movies that have The Invisible Man. What? I'm surprised you didn't bring these up. Uh, Hotel Transylvania 1, 2, and 3. Oh, my God. Can we can we proceed from this joke, please? I, I, I regret everything. No, I would like to, but I also want to talk to you about Hubie Halloween. <laughs> okay, so I was like, you know what? I, I recently watched Big Daddy. I recently watched Mr. Deeds. Recently watched Fifty First Dates. Those are my three favorite Adam Sandler movies. Back when I really, really, really liked him. Oh my God, Hubie Halloween! Like I couldn't understand him. Like he just like you can't understand what he's saying. His voice is so Adam Sandler. Yeah, and then like everybody like throws shit at him, and like I don't I. Like I understand like what they were sort of going for. Like the underdog goes in and saves the day, but wasn't. That his like revenge movie after Uncut Gems didn't get any Oscars. 
he said he was going to make the worst movie ever, which he had already <laughs> done to be fair, but was, is that you not know, true? I, I know he said that like as a joke. I don't know if this was his intent. You know, it had a lot of really relatively big stars in it. He called on a lot of his friends. I'm sure they had a wonderful time making it. It looks like the set decoration was incredible. It was so <laughs> like the production design, everything was so nice. And then it just, the movie absolutely was, it went nowhere and was really stupid. What opinion. resort was it set in or like cruise ship? <laughs> what, what island, what island was, <laughs> was the setting I, to this? You know, movie? I was surprised. It was just set in the town of Salem. And I mean, it really did look like a very fun version of Salem. I don't know where the hell they actually shot it because I would never want to look into that movie because it really sucked. <laughs> but sorry, complete detour. Why do you keep ruining this episode? I'm sorry. I told you I quit. I don't even know why I'm still here, to be honest. Me either. <laughs> so I think this movie does something that I really appreciate in horror movies it's no surprise that I really hate tropes. It's no surprise that tropes, especially in it's horror no surprise movies. you really love talking about how much he hates tropes. Okay, Thank sorry. you. It's true. Um, There's I some don't, tension this episode. I don't, <laughs> I don't. Why am I here? I'm done. <laughs> it's my official two weeks. No. Uh, <laughs> this movie, while it has jump scares, I think doesn't rely on them. I think the horror really comes into play because the audience is able to relate with the main character. Uh, when she finds out she's pregnant, when her sister is there one second and then half a second later, she's dead. And then the end scene when she kills Adrian, um, I think you said it perfectly in take one about the shots in this film and how an empty room can make you feel so uneasy. Like that's where the horror in this comes from. It comes from her experiences, her finding out, you know, different things that Adrian has done to her and that kind yeah. of thing. And I really, really appreciate and applaud Lee Wanell for being able to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know what I also think is really spectacular and, and I don't know that we've given her enough credit. Elizabeth Moss is, I mean, she's really a remarkable actress. Like I, I, I um, saw something where Lee Wanell said, you know, I've worked with a lot of really talented actors, but she's just on another level. Oh, good. You know, I saw an interview that she was doing on some talk show and she said that uh, when she was doing Us, that kind of gave her her first taste of... Oh my God, I forgot she was in Us. I fucking yeah. love Us. And her character in Us is so yeah. perfect. And <laughs> uh, she said that that was her first taste of horror and she was kind of like, I dig this. Like, I really like this. So Please give me more, Elizabeth Yeah, I kind of set that off. I, I would love to see her in more horror. I think, yeah, I think that'd be Amen great. to that for sure. <laughs> there is this idea that Cecilia is visible and Adrian is invisible, but it goes much further than, you know, that obvious statement. Um, there's the fact that her name is often shortened to just see the whole movie is her trying to just be seen and believed. Uh, and no matter what she does, she can't seem to convince anyone that Adrian should be seen. And like, that's obvious too, but I think the only time that we see any kind of animosity or aggression from Adrian is when he breaks the car window in the very beginning. We never see him again, unless he's trying to be like sweet and caring at the very end at the dinner table. 
And it also ties into what we were talking about when we discussed how we really didn't get any backstory in their relationship. Nothing was spoon fed to us, which I loved. Like we didn't, we didn't need to see the abuse to know that she was abused. The way that she was escaping the house, like how prepared she was, let you know that this has been going on for a long time. Right. right. How careful she was being, Mm -hmm. let you know that this was serious. Yeah, it was clear as day, but the abuse part of it was still invisible. You yeah. know, it's like it's we didn't need to see it. Like his his whole character is really unseen and it's the whole movie it's just her trying to to make it seen. And one else said in an interview that doing this, like like filming it in this way kind of allowed the audience to draw their own conclusions and create their own horrors. And I think that that's nothing short of genius. I think that is absolutely incredible what he's done. Uh, you also mentioned before watching this movie, and I think even during watching this movie, the parallels between this movie and Candyman, which we did in our last episode, specifically the part where she's writhing on the hospital bed trying to tell people that he's in the room with her. I don't. Should we explore Candyman spoilers yeah, sure. If if you haven't listened to our Candyman episode, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, I'll make this quick so you don't have to fast forward too long if you haven't. But um, there's the part where she's in the hospital room and she's like, he's here, he's in the room, and like no one believes her. And I tried to see if there's anything online that connected these two movies because it almost seemed too obvious and almost too copied. Uh, but I couldn't. I couldn't find anything, which is unfortunate, but there are definite obvious parallels. I think there's this woman who's being plagued by something that no one else can see. It's really about her journey trying to convince other people of his existence as well as her innocence, and then ultimately becoming him in the end to exact her justice. Whether or not that was intentional, I think that that's a really amazing parallel and connection, and I... I almost wish it was. I almost wish that Lee Wanell saw that movie and was inspired by it. What are your thoughts on that? So I think that there are a lot of movies that deal with, that touch on the fact that the society doesn't always listen to women. Right, right. Who are talking about, you know, abuse and things like that. In uh, Candyman, I talked about how there are a lot of parallels to A Nightmare on Elm Street because it's another individual who's being plagued by something that no one believes is there. And um, so I think everything's inspired by everything. There's nothing necessarily new under the sun. I don't feel like it stole anything from Hitting Man. I just think that, you know, in a similar situation, this is the way an individual would act, typically. I get that. And I, I certainly understand that, you know, art is stolen and reused all the time. I just think that the imagery is so obvious and so alike that it, it just seemed like it couldn't just be a coincidence. But um Lee Wanell is uh, definitely a, a fan of, of horror films, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that he has seen Candyman, you know. <laughs> I just really loved that, like, it was, like, especially towards the second half of both movies, it really was about this woman who eventually becomes her tormentor yeah. and and gets her revenge. And I just, I don't know, that's, that was a really, I'm really glad that you brought that up. You're very, very smart. I don't care what people say. You're, you're very smart. Aww, thank you. <laughs> That's like my favorite joke. I don't care what people say. You're beautiful. (laughs) The last thing I wanted to say is that I wanted to point out and add the end scene to the list of scenes in movies that had me almost jumping out of my chair out of sheer shock and surprise. In the end, when she kills him, uh, I think it's shocking, but nothing outstanding. I think when it happens, you kind of assume that it's her. Yeah. 
not to downplay that scene, I think it's, it is really powerful, but you're kind of like, oh, she finally got her revenge. But then they pull back and they show her leaving the bathroom and screaming in horror. And you're left wondering, like, what the fuck is going on? It wasn't her. She's right there. She's devastated. She's screaming. And then she steps out of the way of the, the security camera and her face immediately goes blank. And I got the same feeling that I got from the keychain scene in Get Out. It was so masterfully done. I totally agree. And I think what was also pretty damn special was when she walks outside and um, he goes along with it. Like, we're going to make it out of this. Yeah. I talked about in, in take two, like there was a point in time where you're just like, how the hell is she going to make it out Mm -hmm. of this? You know, with any semblance of life and she she did did. it. She did the damn thing. And I am sort of interested in what would, what would happen next. I trust those people. I mean, like if it's this, if it's the same creative team, why not let Lee Wanell continue his story? Yeah. Lee Wanell continued his story with Saw and made Saw 2 and 3, and I fucking love those movies. But so. that's the thing, then. It would have to... I would trust him with a sequel to this movie, but again, I don't want Elizabeth Moss in it. I think her story has concluded so beautifully. I don't think it needs any more. I trust him, but I, I would want it to be a completely different story, if that makes sense. Gotcha. No, I understand. You hate Elizabeth Moss. That's fine. Oh, my God. What is it with you and hating I don't these hate women? women, guys? I don't. So I think it's pretty cool that all of the main characters have jobs that sort of like fit their roles in the film. I mean, this had to have been done on purpose, but like Cecilia is an architect and architecture, you know, is about putting up walls and shielding yourself from the outside world. And for a large part of this movie, she's trying to hide the idea of sort of starting fresh and building a new home somewhere, you know, outside of what she's been going through with Adrian. Adrian works in optics. I feel like that obviously represents like an invasion of privacy, like seeing everything, being able to, you know, be anywhere, seeing whatever. And he's constantly spying on her. That makes perfect sense. And then James is protective. His house is at least intended to serve as a safe space. And he's a police huh. officer. So hmm. oh, that was pretty cool. So some just behind the scenes interesting stuff that I found uh, for some of the scenes, even the scenes that didn't have Adrian in the shot or that it was like assumed that he was invisible. They actually put him in the scene and had Elizabeth Moss react to him actually being there, which I thought was clever. That is like being considerate of your actors. Mm -hmm. That is like, in my opinion, giving them the ability to sort of maybe call a little bit more of the shots mm-hmm. than they typically would. Oliver Jackson Cohen, you know, had a pretty brief role. It could have been, you know, maybe a week shoot at the most. And yeah. he was on set for two months. So, mm-hmm. well, he was, as far as I know, maybe for some of the more aggressive scenes, there was a stunt double, but I think he was in the green, like the green suit so, for a lot of his. The green suit was how he was able to be in the scenes with her right. and be taken out. I know that they had like an incredible stunt team, but because of the fact that Elizabeth Moss was encouraged to do as much of the physical stuff as she possibly could, I wouldn't be surprised if he also got to do some of the physicality kind of stuff too. The beautiful mix of practical and computer effects in this film cannot really be adequately described. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. I I know. Fuck. I'm going to cut this one out. No, bitch. You better fucking not. I, it, really, it really needs to be seen. So 
please, everyone, I implore you to watch the behind-the-scenes video that we included because you really get an idea of how awesome it is. Like, they talk about the kitchen scene when she's flying across the room and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the, the fact that they have a robotic camera that can replicate the same movements over and over again is pretty awesome because of the fact that, like, at that point, you can sub in a stunt double mid-flying across the the table. You know what I mean? Like, mid-flight. Yeah. Uh, I want to pull up a line in the movie that had me shook after researching it. Do you remember what the... Like, when she went in for her job interview, what the interviewer says to her after they both share their experiences working in closets? No. He says, we both know the value of closet space. I'm going to let that sink in for just a second. Do you get that? No. Because that's where she hides the second suit is in the closet. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah. When Cecilia is escaping the hospital and she steals that man's car that crashes, uh, she passes this wall that has like some graffiti on it. And the lights show a little graffiti painting of Billy from Saw. I don't know if you know that or not. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So... (laughs) Billy is the puppet in Saw, and he's an icon, and I'm absolutely obsessed with him. I want to get him tattooed on me, and I will before I die. Certainly, we'll have a Billy tattoo. Um, if you don't before you die, I will make sure it is on you after you die. Thank you very much. And You're I definitely, welcome. I got your back. When I die, I was thinking, I was like, I could be cremated or stuffed. If I die and it's too late, like if I for some reason die and then I was found and it was too late to harvest my organs. Flip me over, cut the jigsaw piece out of my back, and lay me flat in the coffin. I think that would be so fucking cool. Okay, sorry. Wrong movie. (laughs) But uh, what I will say is that they've done that a couple of times. Billy is in Dead Silence, (gasps) and he's also in Insidious. Where? Is he just one of the puppets in Dead Silence? Yeah. And then is he's Lee like on connected? the chalkboard in Insidious. Is is Lee Wano connected to Dead Silence? He wrote Dead Silence. Oh my god, I love that movie. Yeah. I didn't know that. That makes me happy. And he wrote Insidious. That makes me less happy. Shut up. <laughs> um, such a fucking... Ah! Ah! I just I'm want someone else to do this podcast with. You will. You will soon, because this is my last episode. So Okay, good. My last point here, uh, when promoting this movie, Lee Wanell and other like cinema or movie accounts, they tweeted advertising the movie with the hashtag The Invisible Man with a white handprint emoji in the hashtag. Yeah. But that handprint could only be seen if your phone is in dark mode. If it's in light mode, you can't see that handprint because both the handprint and the background are white. And I thought that that was really, really clever. That is cool. Yeah. Look at that. I know. I know. Okay, your turn. This is pretty interesting. Due to how the biology of the human eye works, if all the cells in a person were see-through, the person would be unable to see. So changing the invisibility to a suit works around this common issue. Okay, that is clever. There is always an attempt to have it be based in science, Mm -hmm. but this is the first one that I think technology could eventually get to a point where we have something like this. Whereas... You know, a serum that you take that just turns you invisible, that is yeah. that seems way more magic to me, even though, yeah. again, in the movie, it, it's supposed to be science. 
I read up on a little bit of the older movie and knew that it was something that he drank, right? Like it was a potion yeah, that, he made that he drank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, well, what, what's making like, why isn't the bottle that it's in t- like turning invisible or anything? It's it, it I, I get that. And I, I definitely give props to the production department or the costume department, whoever created the idea for this suit. I read somewhere that it, it very much looked like each of those cells were, were like a camera aperture where it oh, was yeah. taking like live video of your surroundings and also projecting them at the same time. So it, you know, it gives the effect that it's see-through. Um, and they very much did look like, you know, little cameras, which I guess goes into the theme that you were talking about with Adrian and how he wants to see everything. So um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So my last point was brought up by an IMDb user on IMDb, and uh, I thought it was actually pretty interesting, and I wanted to just bring it up to you. It was two reasons why I think we can be pretty certain that it was Adrian the whole time and how Cecilia might know that it was Adrian the whole time and not Tom, which is you know what they were claiming. Yeah. Cecilia stabs him with a pin, Adrian's suit, uh, in the hospital, and – uh, the suit that Tom is wearing is not glitching in like the very next scene. And it's not even wet, even though they're outside together. <laughs> in the rain, yeah. Um, yeah. Tom is somehow able, or, you know, the invisible man is somehow able to beat uh, Cecilia back to the house and have time enough to attack Sydney. And the second point would only work if Tom was actually already at James's house beforehand, uh, likely waiting for the go-ahead from his brother to kill Sydney. Likewise, the extra time would have allowed Adrian to return to this house, stow the suit, seal himself in the basement, and tie himself up before the police arrived. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they brought up something else that was suspicious. After Tom is killed, the police enter Adrian's house, and Adrian is calling for help through the walls. He's yelling. However, when Cecilia goes into the house and she's walking around, sure, she's probably being quiet. But there was no him calling for anyone. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So I think those are pretty valid, you know, excuses for why Cecilia would not have believed one time, aside from the fact that she probably could tell his voice at certain times and he spoke to her. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted it to be Adrian in the end. So, (laughs) me too. (laughs) This was a fantastic time. Agreed. We hope to bring you another episode next Friday, but I just wanted to update you guys on how my week is going to go. Tuesday, the 27th, I have an MRI. Then two days later, I have a spine injection. And then the next day, I have a follow-up appointment to actually schedule, like someone's going to look at my MRI and say, okay, we either are or are not going to go through with surgery. And I'm he pretty much told me that he was uh, last time. So we're going to give it our best shot. But if we don't see it next Friday, uh, happy Halloween. We love you all. Thank you all for listening to us. And we'll be back you know, very, very soon. Stay tuned for whatever we have next. Uh, I'm, I know we have some very fun movies on the slate that I'm very excited about. Follow our Instagram and everything and social media, and we'll we'll try and keep you guys updated with announcements and stuff. But he's stepping on the outro, and you have to do the outro this week, huh? Yeah, I know I do. So I'm saving myself some time. Check. Oh, okay. Let's say something. Say something good to feed into the outro. Say something to feed into the outro. Yeah, like you know how we like play the music, and then it's like I don't remember our music how it sounds, but it's like 
and then it, and then it goes bam and then that's when whoever's doing the outro starts talking okay so i'll be talking in a few seconds and once you hear the music which should be like around now you'll hear me again and here we go and that's my fridge yeah his fridge turned on and ruined it that's great <laughs> As I was saying before I was interrupted by my refrigerator, I wanted to thank you all for tuning in and joining our discussion this week. If you would like to hear more, you can visit Take3AMP.com. And for news and updates, you can follow us on all major social media sites at Take3AMP. And as always, those are all the number three. If you would like to support us, it is completely free to visit us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. It helps us reach more listeners and it lets us know how we're doing. Again, thank you for tuning in and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay spooky, everybody.